0: Christ alone can rescue. He alone can save. Following rules, trying to keep laws, cannot save us from our sin. And that's why the Ten Commandments are first and foremost a diagnostic tool. They're there to show us our sin. To point out to us how desperately we need a Savior. How desperately our families need Jesus if we're to be stronger and healthier families i visited people in the hospital before who told me, said, David, I feel fine. I don't know why they're keeping me here. They wanted to go home. But the doctors were keeping them there because the doctors knew their condition better than the patient did. They knew the truth of their condition. And, and the same is true for us and our families. We may think we're doing fine, but God knows better. He sees our hearts And he uses the Ten Commandments to shine his spotlight of truth onto our lives and onto our families so that we can see where we need his help. And today's commandment shines a spotlight on an area that many families desperately need help with. I need help with it. Listen, I'm going to tell you, of all these commandments that we're talking about, this is the one your pastor struggles with the most. Let's turn together to Exodus chapter 20 beginning in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but He rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for Your Word. We're thankful for these commandments and for all of the truth of Scripture that points out to us where where our lives fall short, where we're askew, where our priorities are out of alignment. And Father, I pray Your Spirit would bring conviction to us this morning. I pray that Your Spirit would bring illumination to our minds and our hearts to show us today where we need to improve and work on remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. We ask it in the name of Jesus, the one alone who can rescue us. Amen. It's interesting to me, if you just look at this, especially if you've got your scripture open, you look at this fourth commandment, verses 8 through 11. God had more to say about taking a day off than anything else in the Ten Commandments. It is by far the longest commandment. It's as if God is saying, I want you to take this seriously, guys. This is not a suggestion. I'm commanding you, take some time off and rest. Now, wouldn't it be nice if your boss came to you and said, I want you to take the day off today. Go home, spend some time with your family, have a long weekend, rest, relax, we've got this. Wouldn't that be nice? How many of you uh, wake up feeling exhausted in the mornings? How many days a week do you wake up feeling exhausted? In a recent poll, only one out of seven Americans indicated they wake up feeling refreshed every day of the week. One in seven. One doctor addressed the exhaustion epidemic saying, people say stress can kill you and they're right. In today's society, most people are on this disease continuum that I call stress without recovery. If they continue on that course, meaning that they just are constantly under some sort of stress all the time, If they continue on that course, it eventually leads to chronic disease like high blood pressure, strokes, heart attacks, diabetes gets worse, and he just had this huge list of things. There are countless studies on the mental, physical, and emotional effects of our chronically overcrowded schedules. Longer work weeks, social media use. Many people are saying that the rise in sleep problems, discipline problems with kids, shorter attention spans... Are, 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 are directly related to how overly busy and constantly plugged in we've become as a people. Do you ever just get tired of thinking about all the stuff that you got to do? Do you ever find yourself as fatigued on Monday morning as you were on Friday afternoon? Do you ever bring home work in a briefcase to catch up with work on the weekend you couldn't get done during the week? Do you ever feel guilty when you try to relax? Because there's bushes to trim, yards to mow, laundry to do. This is not how God intended us to live. So I want us to dive into this commandment, which really, more than a commandment, it's a gift. This is a gift that God has given us to help us live healthier, more balanced lives. So what exactly is the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath is God's antidote to burnout. And the word Sabbath is the Hebrew word that means day of rest. It's based off of the Hebrew word for the number seven. Because the Sabbath was the seventh day. It was the seventh day of creation that God set aside and He rested on that day. Not because God was tired. He didn't wear Himself out making the universe. But because He created the world to work. He created us to work in a certain rhythm. Work six days rest one. Six days on, one day off. This six and one rhythm is how God made us to operate. It's how the world is made to operate. It's how God chooses to operate. You know, you think about the music that we've heard this morning, the beautiful music the choir sang and all our instrumentalists have played on a sheet of music. It tells you more than just the notes you should play. It also tells you the rhythm in which you should play them, and part of that includes these funny little squiggles called rests. They let you know when to play a note, when not to play a note, when not to play, tell me if I'm wrong, Matt, when not to play is just as important as when to play, right? Yeah, and sometimes that's where music gets off. Somebody skips the rest, and they get ahead of everybody else. It's the difference, really, between making noise and making music. In Mark 2, 27, Jesus said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us. God gives us this day of rest for our benefit. He wants to keep us from burning ourselves out. He wants to remind us that being is just as important, if not more so, than doing. That our worth is not determined By our work. And therefore, every seven days, you and I need to get physically, emotionally, and spiritually recharged. As as Charles said in the children's sermon, Sabbath is God's antidote to burnout. It's the prevention against the stress-filled world in which we live today. And even Jesus took that regular time to get away and pray, to be still and quiet with His Father. He would often leave a town with the poor and the hungry and the sick and the hurting still there, clamoring for His attention, and He would leave. Because He knew, I could do this all day, every day. I've got to put it down. I've got to step away. I've got to get alone with my Father and rest. And if Jesus being God in human flesh, had to rest? (laughs) Don't you think we probably should have to rest too? The question, though, that comes up most when I talk to people about Sabbath is when is it? When do I observe Sabbath? Is it Sunday? Is it Saturday? Is it Friday? When is it? And the answer is, it doesn't matter as long as it's once a week. As long as it's one day a week, God really doesn't care when you get that downtime, so long as you do it regularly once a week. Now, Jewish people have observed Sabbath on Saturday because that's the seventh day. It's the end of the week. Christians observe Sabbath traditionally on Sunday because it's the first day of the week. It's the day upon which Jesus rose from the dead. So we call it the Lord's Day. And back in the book of Acts, you see the church make that transition from going to the temple on the Sabbath to gathering together to worship on Sunday, Resurrection Day. Every Sunday is a mini Easter. We get together to re- to rejoice and celebrate and remember that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But did you know that there isn't a single verse in the Bible where God commands us to rest on Sunday? He doesn't command that. Now don't get me wrong, like I said, Sunday's a mini Easter. Sunday's the perfect day for us to gather together to worship. I think there's no better way to start your week than to start it in God's house, worshiping the risen Savior. And that's why Sunday quickly became the customary day for Christian worship and Sabbath rest. But when we get, up, when we get hung up on what day do I need to take off to rest, we forget what Paul said in Colossians chapter 2. Paul said, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Now, Jesus once was asked by this woman at the well, this Samaritan woman, she asked him, said, where should we worship God? Because the Samaritan said, well, we should worship on this mountain. But the Jews said, no, you've got to worship on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And she wanted to know where should we worship. And Jesus basically told her, you know what, the place where you worship really isn't as important as the attitude in which you worship are you worshiping in spirit and in truth that's what matters more and what paul is saying here is that applies to the day just as the place doesn't matter so much as the heart attitude the day doesn't matter so much the point is jesus and are you resting in jesus and are you worshiping jesus in romans 14:5 and 6 paul says this one person considers one day more sacred than another another considers every day alike Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. So Paul's kind of saying it's really between you and God what day you're going to set aside for this day of rest. Because every day honors the Lord, right? Every day belongs to God, not just Sundays. Now, does that mean that every day is a Sabbath day? No. Because the point of a Sabbath day is you take one day out of seven, and you set it aside. To say that every day is a Sabbath day would be like saying that, uh, that everything is worship or that everyone's a pastor. And if, and if everything is worship, then nothing is worship, right? If everything is special, then nothing is special. So yes, we should live worshipful lives every day, but the Bible is clear that God commands us to set aside one day every week to gather with God's people and worship Him. He wants us to set aside one day every week to rest, to recreate. That's where that word recreation comes from. It's recreation. We need that day to sort of recreate, to be renewed, to be refreshed, to be restored. These are important. So before we get into the specifics of how you and I can use Sabbath for downtime, to avoid. Burnout for our families. I want you to stop and reflect for just a minute. I'm going to ask you some questions. I just want you to think about these. Is the pace of your life right now sustainable? Be honest. Are you living life at the best possible pace? What needs to change in your family's schedule to make the rhythm of life more sustainable? To make music, not just noise. What needs to change? Think about that. As we talked about how we can observe the Sabbath, God says in this commandment that we are to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Well, we just talked about what it means to remember the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day. Don't forget, be honest, acknowledge that you need to take some time off to rest and to recharge, okay? You're like my iPhone. If I don't plug in my iPhone every night, the next day it's going to die on me and then it's it's good for nothing. We're the same way. We've got to have that time so to remember the Sabbath day is to be honest and to acknowledge that reality. But the second part of that is keeping it holy. How do we keep the Sabbath day in such a way that it's holy? Well, first we have to understand that to be holy means to be set apart. It means to be different. God tells us that we are to set apart one day a week to do something different than what you do on the other six days. The seventh day should be a change of pace. To keep keep that rest holy means that we use it in the way God intended for us to use it because God is the one who made it holy. God made it holy. We are charged with keeping it holy. Keeping it special and set apart. God wants us to use our Sabbath day as a weekly time to rest, to recharge, and to refocus. Let's think about that. First, it's downtime to rest our bodies. The Sabbath is a downtime to rest our bodies. In Psalm 127:2, it says it's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know He enjoys giving rest to those He loves? God enjoys giving rest to us. He doesn't want us just to work, 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 work our fingers to the bone. When Abby was younger, Julie and I had a book that we read to her, and part of the book said, uh, God made our bodies to need rest. We thank you, God, for sleep. And that was a simple little thing that, you know, sometimes you have to teach small children. Your body needs rest. God made it that way. Sleep is a good thing. Let's go to bed. At 7 o'clock, you know, 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Let's... But you know what? Sometimes we adults need to be reminded of that same truth. God need our, made our bodies to need rest. You and I do not have limitless supplies of energy and strength. I, I hate to break it to you, but you're not the energizer bunny. You can't just keep going and going and going and going. Not even Jesus did that. And when God rested on the seventh day, like I said, it wasn't because He was tired, because God does have limitless supplies of energy and strength. Thank the Lord. But He rested on that day to model for us that six-in-one rhythm. That that is an immutable law of life. So when you go home this afternoon and you take that Sunday afternoon nap, you now have a biblical justification for doing so. The pastor said... And I'll be joining you in that nap this afternoon. You know, when you think about it, though, we've got so many work-saving devices. You know, you think about this, this iPhone. You think about all the stuff that we have, our computers, our technology, all the kitchen appliances. We've got a vacuum cleaner that vacuums the house by itself. Things annoying as all get-out, but knock stuff over. Things like get stuck under the couch. But we have all of these work-saving devices, yet we seem to be working more and more. And we work longer and longer. The the exhaustion epidemic that doctor talked about is real. And it's not just for adults. Burnout among school-age children is on the rise and it's being studied greatly. Too much homework. Too many extracurricular activities. Not enough unstructured free playtime are all contributing to children experiencing stress and burnout. A recent study said that 95% of HR professionals indicate there was a burnout epidemic in the workplace that was making a significant impact both on quality of work and worker retention. They said the leading causes of burnout were too much overtime, unreasonable workloads, and the modern propensity of taking work home. Schools are reporting similar problems, especially among middle school and high school kids. Just when you get home, Google the term millennial burnout and you'll be amazed at the articles and the studies that pop up studying among young adults right now, how many of them just starting their career are already burned out. But you know, we don't really need studies to tell us it's not that bright to burn your candle on both ends, do we? That if you put too many irons in the fire, you're just going to put out the fire. I mean, we don't need studies to tell us we need rest. That's common sense. But the temptation to be consumed by career is so powerful. There are so many forces that pull us back toward work. More money, more recognition, more promotion, more achievement, more accomplishment. Those forces are saying us work more, but our bodies were not built for non-stop work. Efficiency experts agree that reasonably spaced rest periods increase productivity over the person who works continually and constantly. I mean, it goes back to the old fable about the tortoise and the hare, doesn't it? Slow and steady really does sometimes win the race. So, whatever you do for a living, stop it one day a week. Don't bring home that briefcase. Don't take that call. Don't check your work email. Be unavailable for a day. Now, I know this is hard for some of us. Myself, chief among them. You know, Paul talked about he was the chief among sinners. When it comes to this, I'm chief among sinners. I want you to hear that, okay? This is something I'm working on. I, I, I'm, if there's a finger pointing at you, i got three more pointing right back at me this morning. Maybe that's why the shepherd's psalm says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You ever thought about that? Has has, has God ever had to make you lie down because you wouldn't do it on your own? I've known more than a few workaholics who never take any days off and they ended up observing the Sabbath for two weeks in the hospital because God's going to get His Sabbath rest out of us one way or the other. Let's let it not be in the hospital. Really refusing to take a day off basically says, I have so much work to do. I'm so important. Everything is riding on me. Think about that for just a minute. How arrogant that is, really. And you know what? I've got some good news for you. You can resign from being manager of the universe because guess what? That job's already taken. God is in charge, not you, not me. A person who refuses to get away from work for one day a week, they they might think they're showing commitment and dedication, but really they're showing Insecurity and immaturity. Let's think about. You know, makes me think about my daughter again. Okay, when it comes seven o'clock and it's time to start heading her for bed, she whines, she complains, she makes up excuses, she drags her feet through her nighttime chores. Our daughter doesn't like to go to bed at night, but guess what? She's seven. She's not supposed to want to go to bed at night. But as her parents, we know that if she doesn't get plenty of sleep, she's not going to be worth as much the next day. So we make her lie down. And sometimes God has to make us lie down in those green pastures. And you might argue, but God, I've got to get all this done. And God says, I don't care. You work six, you rest one. That's the way I made things. Now, maybe for you this morning, physical exhaustion isn't that big of a deal for you. Because, to be honest, it really isn't for me. But what about emotionally? Because if you're like me, sometimes that's the greater fatigue. It's not from your muscles. It's from your, your head, your mind, your heart. Maybe it's emotionally and spiritually. Maybe that's the greater indica- indicator of burnout for you. You don't do a lot of manual labor, but maybe you do a lot of heavy, heavy lifting emotionally and mentally. Well, that's the second way we can use Sabbath, as downtime to recharge our emotions. And like I said, for me, this is the huge part. Because a lot of my work is mental. It's emotional. I I do a lot of emotional heavy lifting, and, and I have to recharge my emotions because that emotional stress can really drain you. And all of us, we all seem to be in such a hurry and there's so much in the news and on Facebook to stress us out and to get us down and to wear us down. We all need time to be inspired and encouraged and emotionally refreshed. Now I want to share with you two things I have found that are that are very important for this emotional recharge. The first is quiet time. Quiet time is essential. In fact, if we read on in the 23rd Psalm in verse 3, not only does He make us lie down in green pastures, but it says, He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Those quiet waters restore us, they recharge us emotionally. Quietness, restoration, they go together. Now, our days are filled with noise. Now, I, I was paying attention to this the other day. I'm here at the church. I'm I'm talking to people. Phones are ringing. People are in and out. I I get up. I get in my truck. The radio comes on. I get out. I go into the hospital to see somebody. I'm talking to them. They're talking to me. I go back. I get in my truck. The radio's on. I get home. Abby's there. There's noise everywhere, right? I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. She doesn't stop talking, does she? Ever. I wonder who she got that from. But... It's hard to find a place, poor Julia, you know, she really has a hard time finding a quiet place at our house between me and Abby, but it's hard sometimes to find that place in time where you can be totally quiet, isn't it? Let's be honest. Our world works against us with this. It's a noise-filled culture. You can't even hike in the mountains, really, without hearing airplanes fly over or cars down on the road a few miles away. It's just amazing the, the human sound that is everywhere we go. But Isaiah 30, 15 tells us, in quietness and confidence is your strength. Psalm forty six ten says, be still and know that I am God. We need to schedule quiet periods in our life. And God says part of our Sabbath needs to be quiet time to get alone with Him, to listen to Him and to talk to Him and to worship Him. You know, lots of people can go through the whole weekend and they might relax and they might recreate, but they never have any quiet. They're never still. And the Monday comes, they don't understand why they're as exhausted as they were on Friday. Have you ever gone on a vacation where you stayed so busy and on the go and stressed that when you got back from vacation, you needed a vacation to recover from your vacation? If not, then you've never been to Disney World because that's what that is. There's no rest, no quiet. In Mark 6, 31, Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and His apostles didn't even have time to eat. And Jesus recognized this is not good. We've got to get away. We've got to be still and quiet. And Jesus says to you, There's so much going on in your life. You need to get alone with me. You need a time of quietness. If you don't come apart with me, you're going to come apart without me. We need that quiet time. Secondly, I found family time. Family time. Now, if we think about it, for most of American history, Sundays were set apart for two things, weren't they? Church and family. And I think that's still a good idea. God wants you to plan some special time with your family, to do something with them that will draw you closer together, to relax and have some fun with your family. It's not wasting time. It's important time. God says you need it. In Ecclesiastes nine, it encourages husbands, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. And in Proverbs 17:22 it says, "...a cheerful heart is good medicine." So we need to, to get away with our family and be cheered and, and, and enjoy that time together. And, and part of our church's commitment to help you build stronger and healthier families is this Faith at Home Resource Center out in the atrium. And one of the things you're always going to find out there, the little cards kind of in those middle uh, holders in the middle of it, there's these little cards... And on those, you're always going to find at least one of those is going to give you something fun and meaningful to do with your family. It could be a a date night. It could be a a, a creative fun meal to have together and a game to play. It could be something to encourage you and to spark your imagination about how you and your family can have fun together. On Sunday afternoons, I want you to go home and, and some of you all, the whole family all gets together. That's great. Do that. Eat a meal. Laugh. Share stories. Let the kids play together in the yard. That's what Sunday afternoons should be about. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, though, it tells us, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So when I talk about family time, I'm also talking about time with God's family. We need time every week with God's family. And I'll tell you, for my family, you guys are family. Our church is very much family to us. And we can be emotionally recharged by a loving church family, by the accountability and the care that you find in a Sunday school class or a Sunday night small group. We need to get together with God's family for that encouragement, as Hebrews tells us, Because we can get burned out in our service to the kingdom of God just as easy as we can get burned out on our nine-to-five job. And when we spend time with God's family, it can recharge us to continue loving others and doing good. That's why David says in Psalm 122, 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of, of the Lord. David looked forward to it because there's a rejuvenation that comes by getting together with other believers. And that brings me to the last way we can use Sabbath. And that's downtime to refocus our spirit. You know, as important as it is to be quiet and spend time with family and even God's family, the most important thing we need is to tune in to God. That's why Sundays are essential to your spiritual health. Even if you have to take another day, as I do, as Matt does, to have a day off, uh, that, that time on Sunday is important for worship and for gathering with God's family. You know, your car needs a regular tune-up, doesn't it? You have to take it in and get the wheels aligned and to get things balanced. And that's what worship does for us. It helps us to align our priority. It helps us to find balance in our life. It's not enough to just take a day to care for your physical and emotional needs if you don't take care of your spiritual needs too. But we, we as a culture, we've turned Sunday into Sunday. We've taken a holy day and made it just a holiday. But if all you ever do is work and play, pretty soon you're going to start to think that work and play is all there is to life. And you forget the things of God, the things that matter and that last into eternity. As Mark 8, 36 says, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? When we come to worship, it it helps us to ask that question, What am I exchanging for? my life for? What did I give the last seven days, the last 168 hours of my life for? We need to re-examine our priorities. Tune into Him and let Him help us keep our perspectives straight. Let me speak to dads for just a moment. If you want a simple, practical way to be the spiritual head of your family, here you go. Be faithful and consistent in having your family with you In worship. Values aren't taught so much as they're caught. And moms and dads, if we're not modeling for our children the importance of prayer and God's Word and worshiping with God's people, they're not going to learn it. And every time you say, well, we're not going to go to church this weekend. We're tired today. We've got some extra work to do outside. We were up late last night watching the game, so we're just not going to go today. You're modeling an inconsistency to your family. God says, every seven days, rest. Rest your body. Recharge your emotions and, your, and, and refocus your spirit in worship. What is more important in your life? Honestly, your work or your worship? Golf or God? Playing or Praying. Which are you modeling the most for your family? Jesus isn't calling us something difficult here, folks. In fact, it's really pretty logical. He is our maker. He knows best how we are made to live. He said He came that we might have life to the fullest. When you do it God's way, you benefit in every way. Physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. But when you don't follow God's principles, if Jesus isn't the center of your life calling the shots, then you have to ask, are my priorities out of line? Is that why I'm always tired and grouchy and I lose my temper at home? Is that why I feel out of balance? As the instrumentalists come, I want you to listen to Jesus' invitation to us this morning. Are you tired? And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. But doesn't that sound great? That's a beautiful invitation. Won't you come to Jesus this morning and ask Him to help you? Give Him all the parts of your life that are loading you down. Let Him help you sort out what's really important. This morning, maybe you need to ask Jesus to become your Savior. And your Lord, you need Him to help you better manage your life than you ever could. Jesus says, come to me. I'll take it all. And I'll give you my rest. This morning, maybe you're carrying a heavy burden. You're carrying one that God never intended you to carry. Let me encourage you to stop trying to be God. Let God be God. And your life will be lighter and freer. Maybe you need to come at this altar and just lay some of those burdens down. Maybe you need to come and repent of the, of the pridefulness that says that it all depends on me. And you need to trust in the Lord and rest in Him. And I want to challenge all of us to really start taking this commandment seriously. It's not an option. You have to make the time to spend in worship, to spend with your family, to spend in quiet time with God. Because if you don't, you're going to pay for it. God's going to get His time for, from us one way or the other. So let's come. Let's cast our cares on Jesus. Let's find our rest in Him.